Thanks for joining us. I'm Mallory. And I'm Carol. And we are so excited that you guys have joined us today. We are both a part of a ministry in the foothills of Colorado called Jeremiah's Calm Ministry, or JCM for short. And you guys, today is your lucky day because we are covering a big topic. Ready for it? Yep. Why Christianity? What makes Christianity different from other religions? Wow, that is a big topic. Mm -hmm. I hope we can get it all covered in one podcast. I hope we can, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, Carol, before we get into such a big topic, maybe first let's explain to our listeners the name of our ministry. Why are we called Jeremiah's Call Ministry? Yeah, um, that is a good thing to cover, actually, and it's important. And I know in our very first podcast, you had talked about our mission statement based off of Colossians 1.28, but... Jeremiah's call actually came from the prophet Jeremiah. And the book of Jeremiah is very near and dear to my heart because he was a prophet that was called to prophesy to Israel at a time when they were steeped in deep rebellion. And the sad part is they didn't really think they were doing too much wrong. Mm -hmm. And so God loved his people so much that he sent all these different prophets in at different times. But then when Jeremiah was prophesying, keep in mind, he was prophesying for about 40 years. And he was constantly prophesying for the people to repent and return to the Lord. And you know what I love about the book? There's so many big takeaways in this book, especially the mercy of God. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we miss that in the prophets where God is saying, look, I'm merciful, but you have to acknowledge your iniquity. I'll forgive you but you have to acknowledge your iniquity. And that was the message of Jeremiah, is he was trying to remind the people that they were in covenant with God, but yet they were walking so foreign to the path that he called them to. And Jeremiah actually brings up a couple big things where he talks about the people going after false gods and false beliefs. They are broken cisterns. And you know, who? That's mentioned in the New Testament when they talk about, you know, wells without water, you know, how people are going after these mm. people who are speaking great swelling words of absolutely nothing. And mm -hmm. that's very common in Christianity today. So Jeremiah was like a trumpet. He was constantly preaching for the people to return to the Lord, and they just seemed asleep, and they didn't want to listen. And so our ministry has always been that. We've been kind of a trumpet call to the mountains of Colorado and waking people out of complacent Christianity and speaking bold truth and deep, rich Bible studies. And so we just felt it was appropriate to be called Jeremiah's Call. Mm -hmm. So I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, and I love that too. I think that that also sets the course for this podcast as well of what to expect. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Um, we are going to be talking about tough things and speaking of that, you know, I really struggled with where to even start today because this is such a huge topic. And I've gone back and forth and back and forth. And, you know, I think the thought comes to my heart where, and most probably all of you out there, it takes great courage to follow Christ. Yeah. It is not easy to live as the Bible instructs. Well, it is easy. It's just we need to count the cost first. And are we willing to be able to live biblically through biblical values and principles and be willing to um, you know have that cost us whether it's friendships other relationships or other things in our life and so I love how in Luke 14 where Jesus is speaking to them and he says look you know if 
which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it. Mm. And I think sometimes there's so many people entering into life with Jesus and they think it's going to be this easy road and I've got my get out of hell free card and I'm going to go up and be with heaven in heaven when I die. But they don't count the cost of what it's really going to mean to follow Christ. And that's a whole nother podcast for sure. And so I guess that's a question, you know, who, you know, Jesus says, whoever does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. And have we counted the cost of what it really is going to mean to follow Jesus, especially up against an increasingly anti-Christian culture? Will we be able to forsake all for him? So this is such a perfect podcast today mm-hmm. for, I think, where we're at um, spiritually. Yeah, exactly. I think that's such a great place to start. It's a reality check of the situation. Yeah. And, you know, in week one, we shared some stats with you guys about faith in America. And many of these trends are also happening throughout the world today. So let's dig into those a little bit further. Since 94% of adult Americans and 96% of millennial Americans, they're embracing this mixture of different beliefs. So we want to give you guys some things to think about as it pertains to those faiths, but also with Christianity. And I think it bears repeating that main mixture that Americans are bracing today. So there's postmodernism, you have secular humanism, there's biblical theism, there's Eastern mysticism or New Age, there's Marxism, which is also called CRT. Well, with CRT, which is the critical race theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what you were saying. Yeah. And there's also nihilism. And this is the belief that nothing in the world has real existence. And then there's also moralistic, therapeutic deism. And this gained a lot of popularity in the early 2000s, mainly with teens. And it really places an emphasis on being good. So some say it's just feel good Christianity. And it really gives just an emphasis on self. Mm -hmm. And we call it a mixture. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It's just a small picture of how society is embracing everything but the God of the Bible. Mm. And there's just, with that comes open compromise. And when when there's open compromise when it comes to following Jesus from picking up your cross and following him Mm. as we're commanded to Mm -hmm. in Matthew 16. Yeah. So how did we get to this place? That's a loaded question. Yeah, it's been going on for quite a while. And I think there's been people over the years sounding the alarm. But again, I think so much of us, so many of us, myself included for a period of time, were, you know, we're kind of caught up in the way that church was being done um, for the last several decades. And I think that what I'm most shocked about is how many Christians I meet with or who I've ministered to, because I've been in a different ministry, different ministry efforts, over the years, um, but how many I've met with, Mallory, who do not believe the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think for me, when I became a Christian, I was starving. I, I wanted truth, and I've always been that way. I'm a truth seeker, but I, I found myself starving, and I wanted to read the Word of God, and I just went into my faith believing it from cover to cover, but not, not that many Christians actually do believe it from cover to cover. They believe parts, but not all. Or they believe this, and this is a big gospel of today, which again is another podcast. 
They believe that this God of love will justify their sin. So there's no necessity to live from the Bible because God is a God of love. And so that's a whole nother path we need to go down at some point to discuss. But for now, so let's consider a situation in the Bible. And actually, it's in the book of Acts with Paul in Acts chapter 17, if you don't mind me just kind of painting a picture, because I think this is where we still are today, actually. When Paul arrives in Athens, he becomes greatly distressed at the incredible number of statues and idols and altars that are dedicated to Greek gods. And these images were found all over the city. I'm not going to go into all the detail of that, but particularly in the Agora, which was a busy Athens market. And this was the backdrop that Paul finds himself in when he introduced the God of the Bible, when he introduced Yahweh to these people. And so he was having discussions, and he was then invited by Epicurean and Stoic philosophers to explain his beliefs to a council of wealthy, educated Athenians. Excuse me. And it's there that Paul notices an altar, and it was addressed to, quote, the unknown God. What an opportunity for him in that moment to share the truth of the living God, the true God. And so, but keeping in mind that the Athenians were biblically illiterate, they were philosophers, of course, they couldn't, he couldn't share with them the Hebrew scriptures. That's how all of the early church followers were trained up, is in the Hebrew scriptures. So he couldn't share those with them. So he started with what they could relate to, which was how faithful they were to their religion, even though it was a pagan religion of all these idols. And he began sharing about the God of creation, a God not confined to temples, a God that is self-sufficient and self-existent. And he started on the fundamentals and went from there. And when he was done, or by the, you know, by the time he spoke of a bodily resurrection, actually, the crowd was divided into three ways. You had those that mocked him. Okay, we see that today. There are still the mockers. You have another group that's still curious. They're asking more questions. We see that today. And there's the third group, which eventually becomes believers. And, and so it makes me think about us, Mallory, like, you know, what about us? What do we do when we find ourselves confronted or assaulted visually or even through our ears, you know, the music or all of the different things even on social media and mm-hmm. the TikTok, TikTok, I said TikTok, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> the TikTok reels, all these things. There's so much godlessness in our society. Mm-hmm. So my question is, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, is mm-hmm. does it distress us? Are, or have we be grown so immune to it? Um, or does it provoke us to want to start sharing the gospel? Or have we become so comfortable with everybody doing their own thing? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, actually, it makes me think I have this friend and we went to ministry school together and she was telling me that she really started reading the Bible. Same thing, got really on fire for the Lord and she was reading her Bible every day. But then every Friday when that one TV show came out, she was watching that TV show and the Lord said to her one time, it's like you're when you read the Bible, it's like you're filling your body with fruits and vegetables and Mm -hmm. things that your body needs. And then when the show comes on, it's like you're going to McDonald's and putting fast food in it and you're doing all this exercise. But then this, I mean, it really is. I think that's just such a good picture of Mm -hmm. the word is life, but anything else that's not 
good and um, has truth and is pure is really hurtful and harmful to mm-hmm. our spirits. Yeah, very toxic. Yeah, and I and I know some people might be out there um, wondering, like, well, where do I see all this? You know, Paul's walking through Athens. He sees idols and temples. What? Where do we see this? Well, let me just give you a few examples, and feel free to add any more in here, mm-hmm. Mallory. Um, have you ever been to a government building or inside of a government building or look to see what's what statues are placed in the government buildings or how the government buildings are modeled after Roman architecture. Um, There's a lot of different gods and goddesses and symbolism throughout our own government. So that's one place. Or what do we do when you walk through a bookstore? It can be Barnes and Noble. It can be a lot of different bookstores out there. I'm not quite sure who's all out there right now, but you know, you walk through the teen section, for example, and it's all witchcraft. It mm-hmm. is sorcery, witchcraft. It's love stories with witchcraft and sorcery, spell books for children. And so, but yet we're walking past this as if it's normal. Mm-hmm. Um, what do we do when we go to a checkout stand? This has happened to me in our community where we live. Mm-hmm. And you see a basket full of Reiki stones. And there's a lot of people out there that practice Reiki, which is a type of healing method. Or when you go get a massage and the masseuse is working on your, quote, chakras. Mm -hmm. There's a lot people don't understand that people don't question. And we just keep going with it. Or how about this one? This is a biggie today. People who I know who have sent their children for counseling for different situations who are being advised to uh, have a seance and call up someone. Uh, this happens quite a bit now in grief counseling and it's very concerning and so i think we need to be we've either grown unaware or we just don't want to see it because the world is already so noisy so but it's important that we are aware and that like paul it grieves us Mm -hmm. and it greatly distresses us and that we then at that moment decide what are we going to do with it am i going to share the gospel with that person in the store about those Reiki stones, or am I going to just keep getting my receipt and walking out the door? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's, that's how I feel about it. And I think today it's important to share these things, these problems that we face in Christendom, so to speak. And then the last part is where we're going to address these other religions out there, but to really set it up. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And just like you can see in the book of Acts with Paul, you know, people still get hung up on the bodily resurrection of Jesus. And even Christians have a hard time explaining to others Mm -hmm. this truth as well. So with all these different choices out there, doubt is even just starting to plague the Christian church. And it's drawing people away and it's drawing people into this mixture that we're talking about. People are starting to ask themselves, is, you know, is Jesus the only way to heaven? And there really is so much messaging out there to create doubt. And now everyone is kind of expected to embrace this mixture and we don't want to offend anybody who believes anything different. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think that what I'm seeing so much with people in my age, or at least so to speak, Mm -hmm. is, and I'm sure this is just in culture now too, but it's really Christianity, I would say, is based on feelings rather than truth. Mm and that you have your truth, I have my truth, but you know, I, 
if you can be reading through the Bible and I might like these verses, but I don't really like these verses. Mm -hmm. And that is what we should be embracing is the full truth. Like you said, believe every word in it. Yeah. 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 So now, you know, what do we do when we have our friends and people who call themselves Christians? We're following this mixture. And, and what do we do when they, they don't even realize it? Yeah, I think there comes a point in time, and this is true not just in your generation, but mine as well. Um, there comes a point in time, I think, when all the other roads we travel down, and believe me, I've traveled down these roads before I became a follower of Jesus, um, you hit a dead end. And then we have a choice to make because that line is drawn in the sand. We either choose to disentangle from the systems of the world or we find ourselves running with the pack. And either way, we must keep speaking truth in love, even if it's hard. And you know what I find interesting today, though? It seems like so many people are trying to make these huge efforts to stand out or be different or cutting edge or individualistic or whatever it is. And yet, so they all do that from their appearance or from whatever they're doing. But then they're all embracing the same anti-Christ system. Mm -hmm. so many people are bought into this system that they're all caught up in and at the end of the day because here's here's the here's the kind of the the icing on the cake at the end of the day Jesus following Jesus is narrow Mm -hmm. have you ever been called (laughs) narrow-minded that's probably why because when we are following scripture it's narrow And he is called the narrow gate for a reason. And that's in Matthew 7, where he's like, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. And because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And I, that is a, that is one of those verses that should make us tremble. Mm -hmm. Few find that narrow gate. I have just a two-second story on this. Mm-hmm. I was in the grocery, ran into a friend's mom. She was asking me where I go to church. This was years ago. And I shared with her where I went to church. And then I, I said, are you there? And she goes, no. And she shared where she went to church, which is a universalist church. So she's at this, univer- she's in universalism, which embraces, for those of you who don't know what that is, it embraces pretty much all faiths and, and to one. And so I got quiet. And she says, I want your opinion. She goes, I can tell you got quiet. She goes, what are you thinking? And, and you know, when I'm in those situations, I'm always like, Holy Spirit, help me because I don't want to, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I have to be truthful. Mm -hmm. And so I was asking the Holy Spirit. And so she asked me again and I just said, it just kind of came out of my Mm -hmm. mouth, but it was broad as the path that leads to destruction. And Mm -hmm. Jesus is the narrow way. Needless to say, our conversation was cut pretty short and I went to go find my rice. But either way, (laughs) um, and we still see each other and we're still kind, but there's Mm -hmm. a seed planted there. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it did anything, but that's that's the whole point. You know, when Jesus says, fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. We're called a little flock for a reason. Just like in Mm -hmm. the Old Testament, it was called a remnant. Those people whose hearts were found loyal to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great story, and and I, I love how simple what it was that you said. It's just one verse, and I'm sure that got her thinking. And I think yeah. we have to remember that the word speaks for itself. Yeah. We don't need to 
do a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. Just speak the word. That's so good. Yeah, so back to the question, <clears throat> why is Christianity thought to have more to offer than other world religions, would you say? Say that again. What's the question? Why is Christianity thought to have more to offer than other world mm-hmm. religions? You know, that is, wow, that's a tricky one. I think when sharing the gospel, one of the pushbacks Christian hear the most is this type of question, and and maybe a couple of others. Um, like, what right do we have to send missionaries into another country to convince others to leave a religion of which they're perfectly happy, right? Mm-hmm. Or I've heard this one too, um, why don't we practice the virtue of tolerance and leave others to enjoy their religion and we ours and leave it at that? So I think the question you asked about why is Christianity thought to have more to offer and then these other questions too, I think when those questions, before I can answer that, I think it's important to address that when those questions hit us, we oftentimes don't know how to respond. And so we retreat from the discussion and become more hesitant in sharing our faith the next time. Is this anybody else out there? Because it can get, it can feel confrontational, it can feel uncomfortable, and we might not have the answer, which I find more times than not, we don't have the answer to the question. We don't know how mm-hmm. to respond on why someone should embrace Christianity. And so what's happening is when we don't have those answers, it's stifling our witness. And because there's typically one of three things going on, and I think I mentioned a couple of them, you know, the, it gets the confrontational, or we don't know our Bible, we don't know the truth ourselves, so, you know, in a short notice or in a pinch, we don't know how to give them the truth. And that's, that problem actually falls within the church because we have a huge problem with biblical illiteracy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you realize this, Mallory, but only half of Christian adults can name the four Gospels. Wow. Mm-hmm. I know. And something we take for granted, we think or assume everybody knows, and they don't. Mm-hmm. And I think the third thing is, you know, the centrality of biblical preaching to the formation of disciples is lost. And so that Christian ignorance is leading to Christian, what they call indolence or idleness or laziness. And what I mean by that is, we've stopped making the Bible the center focus of our discipling and -hmm. showing that balanced view of God. And we're taking all we preach now, or at least that I hear, is the gospel of love. Um, And and the danger of that is we are presenting the world an unoffendable Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so there's no motivation to repent of sin or live differently. And there's no fear of hell why would a God of love send someone to hell? And so we have a problem. Yeah, for sure. That makes me think of a great question for our listeners as well. I just want to ask you guys, how often are you sharing the gospel? What kind of pushback do you guys come up against? If you have any thoughts or anything, just you guys can email us at preparethewayatjcmcolorado.com. But Carol, it makes me think of that question that you said, what right do we have set to send missionaries to another country to convince others to leave the religion? Um, I one time heard this guy speaking and he went to Afghanistan and he was speaking to this whole crowd of people and so many people gave their lives to the Lord. At the end, this woman comes up to him completely in tears and says, why is this the first time that I've heard this message? My husband just passed away a year ago mm-hmm. and he didn't know. How, do, how, how have you guys known this? and we are just hearing it now. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that just brings, I mean, this broke my heart and it stuck with me for so long. It's not just that we want to conform other religions. It's that people need to know the way. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm sure that you guys are listening and asking yourselves, so what do we do? Um, and what is our response to these questions? Yeah, I think the best way to respond to these questions as we start getting into the religions is let's start by looking at how the world has changed. I think that might be helpful because, you know, it's very different now than how I grew up. I was born in 1970 and I have 11 brothers and I have 10 other brothers and sisters. So I'm the last of 11 and my parents and grandparents, we grew up one way and you grew up a different way. You Mm -hmm. are, you know, you're younger than me. And so it's, I think it's good to highlight a couple of those changes so we can understand what we're dealing with first. Mm-hmm. How does that sound? Yeah. Does that I sound that good? So maybe we start with maybe an obvious one, which is technology, of course, mm-hmm. but then also travel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for technology, I mean, we can observe the whole world through a screen. So in my generation, I'm talking about, and you know, you're just sitting on there, there on your couch and you can see any social media influencer right there. And there's so many different movies, both foreign and domestic, that we have um, access to, and also documentaries. And even when it comes to travel, I mean, you can travel across the world in a day. You can go anywhere you want to in a day. Yeah, (laughs) You can go to space now, too, if you wanted to. So, um, I mean, even in just a small town, there are cultural influences where you can, nowadays you can go get sushi, Mexican food, <laughs> right. and Indian food. Um, yeah, just that cultural influence. Yeah, that is that is funny to think about even space. You know, yeah. gosh, we've come so far. and Because in mine or my parents, you know, people picnicked at the park. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they went, you know, into a meadow or something. Or, you know, we drove to lakes to go on vacation and either camped or rented a little mm-hmm. little place. You know, we went short distances in our cars, and TV was only three channels. So, I mean, <laughs> Dad always turned the news on during, you know, after mm-hmm. dinner. Um, in the restaurants, not that we ate out because we couldn't afford to, but the local diners. I mean, diners were the thing. And, you know, from a religious side, I think, you know, something to keep in mind, too, the Bible was in school, and prayer was in school, and you still had God and a little bit of Jesus in the movies and places you looked and even in the government buildings, you know, you, it was, they acknowledged the God of the Bible. And, and then I'm sure somebody else out there will relate to this, but you know, you had national geographic magazines, which is how you learned about the world. And so my dad subscribed to national geographic and we had stacks of them in my house. Not to mention that airline travel was incredibly expensive. So for a family our size, we didn't fly anywhere. So Mm -hmm. things have changed. Yeah. And I think now it's so much people are looking for the new. They're looking for the different. And in my generation today, people are moving all over the world. They're settling down down in different places. And now their beliefs are being impacted from these countries that they're going to. Mm -hmm. And... um, finding different faiths and and those faiths are finding their way into government as well and not only are is evangelizing going out from america to other countries now people are coming to america england canada and i'm not even talking about um christian missionaries anymore Hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah. You know, and I know your kids are, aren't this age yet, Mallory, but another point, you know, field trips in America, you know, they were, you know, they're not just limited to the Museum of Nature and Science or the zoo or a butterfly pavilion, but now field trips, at least out here in Colorado, it's temples, mosques, shrines, rarely churches. So mm -hmm. it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And people are looking, like I said, that new and different experience and people are really pursuing things like Eastern mysticism or there's new age, um, there's metaphysics, mm -hmm. there's new age retreat centers. You were talking about this and different healing practices. We have chakras and Reiki. Um, yeah. And people are even experimenting with new and different when it comes to sexuality, different partners, many partners, sexual identity issues. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's big. It's big, and I think in mine, you know, people settled down in their own country with their families. There was generational living, and missionaries were typically Christian and went to hard-to-reach areas, and people in America went to church. And here's something to think about. Church doors were open 24-7, and the food banks, the donated clothing, and everyday supplies were funneled through churches where people could come and not only receive much needed supplies, but also pray and get help from a church leader. Well, today, those needs are all outsourced to other organizations, many of whom do a really a pretty good job. But when they're outsourced, you leave out that Christ-centered ministry of prayer, wise counsel, and most important, the gospel. And I think the last thing, you know, to touch upon, you were talking about sexuality. I think that's something that's definitely missing today is we had the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And it you know, people, people were less promiscuous. Um, people, there was a little bit more conviction of sin when it happened. And so it's, it's a lot of changes. And I think, um, with all these changes, or as some people out there might say, quote, advances, um, what we're seeing now is how world leaders and political leaders believe that the secret to unity and tolerance and a way to unite people lies in a one world religion where we can all be in harmony of peace, embracing and enjoying differences. And those people who are running these nations and running these corporations and running all these programs are working very, very hard at that. Because the belief is that if mankind is united religiously, then we will be united politically, financially, and in other ways. And as a result of this, Christians are now finding themselves in the minority. And then we hear this. How can Christians be so intolerant of other religions? So we're, we're really at this interesting place um, in our Christian faith because the world is now multiracial and multireligious, and we have to learn to live with each other. At least that's what we're told, as expected. And so we hear the word tolerant over and over and over and over again. And believe me, a family with 10 other siblings, I come from a family with multiple races represented. So I'm sensitive to that. But that word tolerant is interesting because the first sight of the virtue of tolerance, it looks Christian, right? But in fact, it isn't. In fact, it's one word you will not find in the New Testament. Through, though the New Testament deals with many other virtues, tolerance isn't one of them. I mean, Paul from the book of Acts from the very beginning, 
He didn't stand there and tolerate all of the idols. It greatly distressed him to the point that even at the risk of his own life in a pagan culture like that, he, was, he would go up to the wise and wealthy and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Or what about in Acts chapter 4? Uh, I think it's 17, where Peter and John, they're ordered not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. I mean, there's power in the name of Jesus, so much so that people are ordered not to speak in the name, and yet they did. And so um, tolerance, no, it was not a New Testament teaching. They were following God before they followed man. In fact, they even said that in Acts chapter 4 where they told the leaders, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they threatened them even further, but they kept on going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the time that we're struggling in, and we're struggling to share the gospel in this new era. But, you know, we see it when we're making it up through works, which should be done, very important. We see that all throughout the Bible. But sometimes it's at the cost of sharing the gospel. You know, I'm sure so many of you guys have heard this quoted. It's a pretty common um, thing to say. It's preach the gospel at all times. If necessary, use words. Well, this quote is used so much, but actually it's out of biblical order. You know, we are commanded to give testimony and bear witness. And from that, from our faith, the works will follow. You know, we're giving people bread, but we're not giving them the bread of life. That's good, Mallory. Yeah, and then what, how about Romans 10, too? It says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so all that to say, you know, works are so good, but we are called to go and tell about Jesus. Yeah, that is good. You know, there was a ministry in Denver called Christ Body Ministries. And one thing I loved is some of us would go and serve at this church and they would come and bring the food for the homeless to this church. They did not distribute the food, dinner, until the man would literally climb up on his truck on the street and everyone's lying down the sidewalk. He would climb up on his truck on the street and give the gospel in like five minutes. Mm -hmm. But they heard the gospel first every single time before the food line started. Mm -hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I like that. Just making that the first priority. Yeah. So let's switch gears now. So maybe to better understand, what would you say are the next steps? To address other religions maybe let's start with defining the word religion you know i like this one defi definition i heard it from a preacher out of england he's no longer alive but um it said religion is man's attempt to relate to the power that is behind the world in which he lives i'm going to mm. repeat that yeah religion is man's attempt to relate to the power that is behind the world in which he lives Man or mankind, I think we have to realize, is religious. And we see this type of belief system everywhere, even in atheism. Because I always tell people it takes more faith to believe in nothing <laughs> than something. Yeah. So everyone has a belief in some power somewhere. And what they try to do is attempt to harness or relate to that power. And you will find, Mallory, 
that if you scratch deep enough that even communism is a religion, man must relate to a power greater than himself, even if that power is the state. Wow, I never thought of that. And I mean, look how much commun communism has been pushed globally right now. And you know, we can understand this basic principle. We can notice that most religions look somewhat the same. But you know, first, they all develop in organization and denominations. Even Muslims have Sunni and the Shiite Muslims, mm -hmm. or the Jews, they have Orthodox, Reform, they have Conservative, and Reconstruction, Reconstructionist Judaism. That's interesting. I don't know if many people realize that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, even with Christian denominations, <laughs> there's, wait for this number, <laughs> over 41,000 different um, denominations in Christianity, <clears throat> which is crazy. Oops. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, religions all develop professional priests, and there's clergymen, there's some kind of spiritual leader always leading the group. And they all put up religious buildings, whether it's temples, there's mosques, there's churches, you have shrines, chapels, or mission huts. And they all have certain ceremonies, which they all develop. And they all step into people's lives, especially when there's crisis, when the need for power is so much greater than oneself. Um, and, you know, people come when there's birth and death. And mm -hmm. so superficially on the outside, they all you would say would look the same. Wow. Yeah, that is interesting. But you know, I think when you look seriously, I think you brought up some great points, Mallory, about how similar they all look, even though they do it a little bit different from each other. I think something our listeners would be helpful for our listeners is to ask two simple questions. I think if you can ask these two simple questions, you'll find that they're very different. And these two questions are this. What is the power of which we are to relate? And then how do we relate to that power? If you funnel all world religions through those two questions, you're going to get vastly different group of answers and realize that they cannot all possibly be right. Mm -hmm. When my sister was giving me the gospel the night before I got saved, for I don't know how many times she had done it, um, this was one of the things that, um, talking about this stuff, because I always came back at her with the argument of God is the same God of all these religions. And so I think when asked about various powers, some religions will say, and this is something to keep in mind, that the power is in it. So Buddhists would say this. Mm -hmm. I, I can't go into all of the stuff about Buddhism right now, but it really focuses on the it factor of that power, where some would say, no, 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 no. The power I'm trying to relate to is a them. And that's where you are talking about the spirit of the trees and the rivers and the mountains. And, or Hindus, for example, they believe in 330 million gods. Actually, what that does is it's signifying an infinite number of gods, which is actually probably worse. <laughs> so, and then you have some that say, no, 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 no. It's not an it I'm relating to. It's not a them I'm relating to. I'm relating to a power that is called a he. So we go down all kinds of paths. Mm -hmm. And when asked, well, how do you relate to those powers? It gets even more perplexing. So some people would say, well, I relate to that power physically. They either indulge the body or deny the body, such as foods or sexual acts, which was common in pagan religions. Even early century Rome, 
who would whip their bodies into submission. And so some even believe that yoga fulfills that also in some way because it helps them get in touch with the power of the universe. Not everybody who does yoga believes that, but I'm just saying these are, we're just given examples. But then there are those people who say, no, 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 it's not physical. I don't connect or relate physically. I relate mentally. You must study and learn and be initiated into some type of secret knowledge that is withheld until you pass certain points. And actually, Freemasonry is an example of this, as are other religions that are like that. Information is withheld until you get into certain stages or phases. Hmm. And then other people will say, no, 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 it's not that. I relate spiritually, and that's through mystic experiences, some induced by drugs or chanting or other rituals. There's idols people worship. There's modern-day witchcraft. It's it's a form of paganism, but it's mo now modern-day witchcraft. So we can't just say that God is the same in all religions and that all, that all rivers are flowing into the sea. There are vast differences. And the interesting with this, Mallory, this thing, Mallory, is that they cancel each other out. So here's the question. If the power is not an it, it can't be a them. And if it's a them, it can't be a he. And if the way to him is physical, it can't be mental. And if it's mental, then it can't be spiritual. Do you see how this works? Mm -hmm. And that's what people really aren't thinking about. Those two questions. What is the power of which we are to relate? And how do we relate to that power? And so, no, not all gods are the same. Even the Hindu Vedas, their collection of writings or hymns, they don't even have an origin or a founder. They're just believed to have been eternal. And then they've been passed down orally after they were apprehended, um, and then they were written down after they were apprehended by sages in a meditative state. So even Hinduism is unique in that it's not even considered a single religion, but a compilation of many traditions and philosophies. Mm -hmm. So it's just very interesting to me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're talking about all this too, because this is not taught very often. And how are we as Christians to perceive and really know what is going on yeah. um, in different thoughts as well when it comes to religions. So, I mean, after all that that we talked about, so now we come to Christianity, and with all these other religious offerings, there's really only one that claims the true way to God, which is Father, to God, sorry, <laughs> to God the Father, which is this is Christianity, and this is salvation through Jesus Christ alone. And there's no other way to get to the Father except through his Son and believing that he is the Savior of the world. We can talk about God all day, and it, no one seems to be offended, but then you start to mention Jesus, and that's where people stumble. Yeah, no one seems to offended when you say Allah or Vishnu or Shiva or Brahma, but you're right. You mention the name Jesus, and it's a whole other story. Yeah, and I mean, he's called a stone of stumbling in scripture anyway, or yeah, in scripture, and people don't know what to do with Jesus. You know, the word God is safe and it fits into any environment, but the God of the Bible, he's different than all the other gods. He is that narrow path that you were talking about where everything else around the world, it's wide and it's tolerant, but to believe and to follow Jesus, that road is narrow and it's difficult. Oh. <laughs> And that's why if you find that path, which we find in Matthew 7. Yeah, you know, I think we got to remember that Jesus came on the scene in Israel with a bold proclamation. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. 
and that anyone who follows him will have eternal life. He is essentially in that passage letting everyone know that everything else is false. And they crucified him for it. And this has been the attitude of Christians since that time. And the reason we do all the things we do is because we believe him to be the truth and the only way to eternal life. But it's still costing Christians their lives today. Read early church stories of the martyrs or read about how Wycliffe and Tyndale lost their lives. Two men, Mallory, who lived at different times, who worked on Bible translations, burned at the stake. Mm -hmm. You know, the world wants everyone to walk that wide path of destruction and Christianity says, no, thank you. I'll lose my life for this cause, or at least that's what the thinking should be. Mm -hmm. And somehow today, we're living a different gospel, this mixture, and we're lining uh, Christianity up to everything else and trying to make it fit to our life rather than losing our life for the sake of it. Yeah. Yeah, and this surety of our faith, it gives us peace. And while there are other religions, um, there's people following other religions and people are filled with tend to be filled with fear, especially about their future, because they're not sure we'll, where they'll end up or how they'll return. <laughs> um, <Right>. yeah. <laughs> A bug. <laughs> yeah. And we, you know, we saw this during COVID, the population of the world, they were faced with the real possibility of death and it totally paralyzed them. Hmm. But we have this peace because through Jesus Christ, we have eternal life because he's the only way to the father, which Amen. is amazing. And this is why Christians were commanded, go and tell everybody about him. It is absolutely vital that people know this truth. It's regardless of where you live or what they believe. Um, Matthew 24 says, this is just a paraphrase, every, every tribe and tongue must hear. And God won't come back until they do. Mm -hmm. Jesus won't come back. And so, Carol, you know, such a claim of eternal salvation by Christians is perceived as a bit conceited. Mm -hmm. um, how would you say that Christians can be so confident in their salvation and how can we be so sure of our faith? Hmm. I think there's three things Christianity offers to others that no other religion does. And one of them is the revelation from the father. The second one would be the reconciliation we get through his son, Jesus. And the third is the recreation by his spirit when mm -hmm. we become born again. Yeah, I love how you broke that down. And so really no other religion can offer that because no other religion believes in God who is a father, God who is a son, and God who is a Holy Spirit. So maybe could you explain that a bit for people? Yeah, happy to. Um, and I'm sorry, everybody, this is just a smidgen longer because it is such a meaty topic. So bear with us a little bit. But, you know, first of all, in the revelation of the father, you know, we say in our studies every time uh, that it's not important to say you believe in God. But what sort of a God do you believe in? Because that's, that's what's going to alter your whole life. Mm -hmm. So having God revealed to us will be like getting to know someone. And, and how do you get to know someone? Well, I think back on even my husband or, or even, you know, friends. You know, you experience or watch their life, their works, their deeds. And it kind of gives you a little glimpse into maybe the type of person they are. So that's evidence for sure. But then you also get to know someone deeply by their words. Why do, the do, why do they do the things they do? Why do they believe the way they believe? And so when they use their words, it expresses how they feel about things. And if you could just look at Christianity that way, the whole of Christianity rests on the belief that God has done things in history, but he also tells us why he's done them. He's let us in on his mind 
and his heart through the Bible in simple, historical, provable events. I mean, we're going to go through this in a different podcast on why the Bible, but this Bible was written over a period of between 1,400 and 2,000 years with a consistent picture and story of what God is like. And there is no other sacred book that gives us that. When finished reading, we, we do not have the depth and breadth of what God is like from other holy scriptures. Only the Bible gives us that. And so we have evidence of history, his story. We have evidence through archaeology. And again, that's in our next podcast of Why the Bible. Mm -hmm. So then you have Jesus. And then Jesus comes on the scene and people could actually say, I have seen what God is like. No other religion, Mallory, can say that. That God came and manifested himself to the world and lived an ordinary human life to show people what he was really like. And it is unique. Mm -hmm. So God the Father, we have the revelation of God the Father of who he is, what he has done for mankind, and what he has done through his son Jesus. All other religions are based on man's view of what they think God is like. But Christianity is actually based on the evidence of that. And one interesting thing, do you realize that the name God the Father, or the Father actually, is new to every religion? Hmm. No other religion in the world looks up to heaven like a child and says, Father, except hmm. Christians. Oh, wait. And then there's the next one. We have reconciliation through the Son. You know, revelation alone won't make for true religion. So part of God's character that is revealed to us is such that even though I'd love to know him, I don't want to. And so there is this fear and awesomeness of God as described in Exodus chapter 19, for example, when he comes down on top of Sinai and it is a tremendous moment in time with the thunderings and the lightnings and the rumblings and the horn blowing and this majesty that literally the fire and the clouds that come down upon the mountain and people are terrified. So there needs to be another way to relate to people other mm -hmm. than that. And so there you have Jesus. Yeah, and Jesus showed us his father and that God is the God of the strictest possible standards. You know, we don't often talk about that, but it's really true. And he is very particular about how we behave. For example, he's not only concerned about our bad deeds, but we learn that he's also concerned about our bad words, our thoughts. And this is just a paraphrase, but Jesus said, my God, my father, he is the sort of father that counts even a worry as a crime. He's the kind of father who considers parading piety an offense. You know, he's the kind of father that wants us to pray for our enemies and do good to those who persecute us. He counts a lustful look even as a, um, as a sin to be punished as well. And that's the side of God's character that we shrink from. It is a God who hates iniquity. He is a God who can't look at the things that I can look at. He's a God who demands perfection. And, you know, therefore, when Jesus spoke of him, he said, but be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that is the standard, which means that you, Carol, or me, we stand no chance standing before God the Father, no chance to experience heaven. And this is where Jesus comes in. It means that 
we need something more than revelation. We need reconciliation to his son. We need that forgiveness. We need that forgiveness. We need our sins forgiven. And the only one who can do that is Jesus Christ. And God is not only the God of justice, but he is a God of mercy, which is amazing. How can a God give me mercy, give me his mercy and remain in such a high standard? Mm, That's a great point. Yeah, you know, it's forgiveness based on atonement. Payment needed to be made for my sin. God doesn't let his people off. He must deal with sin. Jesus chose to step in as this payment. He took upon himself the atonement for all mankind should they choose to receive it. Wow, that was so well spoken. You know, no other religion has a cross to preach. Mm -hmm. You wrap that up really well. And no other religion can preach forgiveness on the basis of atonement that was sufficient for the whole world. And only Christianity offers a reconciliation between sinful men and a holy God. Wow. I guess that brings us to our third one, which is recreation, recreation by his spirit, not recreation, but <laughs> recreation, being born again. Oh my goodness, this is a, t- this is a, a wording we don't really use much today. Mm-hmm. But no other religion, friends, can offer you a new heart They can only tell you how to patch up the old one. How many of you out there are just tired? You've got to be. Some of you out there, maybe you haven't fully given yourself to the Lord, and it's exhausting trying to do this Mm -hmm. all yourself. And the beautiful thing is the hope we have of not just being forgiven, but literally transforming our life through his spirit. And the evidence is there. When you literally witness the transformation of a person who once lived one way and is now living a completely different way, I'm telling you, friends, mm-hmm. I am not the same 20-year-old, thank the good Lord, yeah. <laughs> that I am today. I have seen God work in my life, pulling down strongholds, breaking mm-hmm. off things. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Go from glory to glory. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes. No other religion can offer you regeneration, being born again, basically starting all over again. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that, Mallory? Yeah. I mean, how the God of the universe who created all life, who can, by his spirit, create a new life with you and make a new man slash woman out of you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And that, mm-hmm. my friends, is good news. You know, by the spirit, Jesus was raised from the dead and through that God showed that he could take a dead corpse and raise a new man. Hallelujah. Yeah. And that was the beginning of God's re- recreation. And that's what happens to all who believe upon Jesus Christ. We become a new creation. We died. I died. Mm-hmm. I died. And I am risen to life in Christ. I love Galatians 2.20. You know, um, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in faith because of him who did this for me. Mm-hmm. And that's why the second most important thing we are called to remember after communion, bread and wine, is to remember reconciliation. And that is baptism. And that it's what the apostles preached. Repent and be baptized. When's the last time you heard that preached? Repent mm-hmm. and be baptized. Yeah. Instead, we're using different language, which is another podcast all about what it means to be born again. But we have to remember regeneration and recreation of our spirit. See why those two things are so important. They point to what makes Christianity different. You can be reconciled to the Father and born again and have the past 
washed away and start anew, Mallory. That is just so mm-hmm. incredible to me. It really touches my heart. Mm-hmm. I love hearing you preach that. I mean, it's <laughs> that's the gospel. That is the that's good news. The good news. And that's why, yeah, I just love that. And God doesn't even stop there. One day he's going to make believers a new body as well, which, <laughs> amen. <Hey. laughs> yeah. And he's going to make a new universe. There's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. I'm not going to live, or sorry, I'm not going to live in it because I've got a new heart reconciled to the Father. Therefore, I don't need to fear. Or I don't have to have doubt. I don't have to have worry or uncertainty of my future. I can live with this hope, a certainty of this faith that I have in Christ to give me something that I could never earn on my own. And that is what makes Christianity exclusive. It's unique in every way and also inclusive where we have intimacy with the Godhead. Mm-hmm. And that's why Peter preached in Acts, there is no other name given unto men by which we must be saved. It's only the name of Jesus. I love how you say that, Mallory, because no one preaches on a new heaven, the new earth, mm-hmm. or what we have to look forward to and that we get to live in it with this new heart that's reconciled to the Father. I love that you brought that up because I know something that's you're passionate about is the bride of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And that's going to be another podcast too. Yeah. So, you know, it's um, it's interesting. Paul walking down the street in Athens, looking at an altar of Jupiter and Diana, and of course there was Apollos and all the gods, and coming to the end to the altar of the unknown God, and Paul tells them that the God you don't know is the only God you need. And this is the courage and boldness, my friends, that we need today. First, to be grieved as Paul was when he saw the idolatrous worship all around him, but then to have the courage to ask questions and then speak truthfully to those who are following false gods and false gospels. There's so many false gospels out there. You know, if 94, 96% of folks in America are embracing the mixture, they are no different than the folks in Athens in Paul's day, right? We need to muster the courage and help them to see the truth of the uniqueness of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Mallory, I'll give you all the final words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You guys, thank you so much for joining us today. I just think this was such a great topic. Why Christianity? And I hope that this really built your faith. And also, maybe you're like, I'm listening. You're like, yes, 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 I believe all this. But how do I share? I think this is such a good podcast as well to um, share it. You guys share this on your Instagram, share it. Um, you can email it to people, text it to people. We have new episodes coming out every Tuesday. So check us out every Even Tuesday maybe morning. before that, right? We're trying to get some out during the week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you guys always, if you have some questions, you can email us at Jeremiah's call or wait, sorry. What is that email again? You go <laughs> prepare the way at jcmcolorado.com, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, or, drop, or drop us a line on our website mm-hmm. at jeremiahscall.org. You guys, thanks so much for joining us today, and see you next time. Take care. Mm-hmm.